everybody, and welcome to the Fortress Comic News, episode 94. I am one of your hosts, Chris, alongside the hype train known as... Mike, it's me. And as I have a Green Lantern background, um, but before we talk about that, more importantly, we have a very special guest on the show today, um, Stephanie... Phillips. Phillips, Yeah. I, I'm, you know, Chris has got to remind me about the last name for once, which is I usually don't mess with the name. Stephanie Phillips on the show today. Um, we have a great couple books to talk about with her. Uh, Kicking Ice is a um, is about a, a woman's ice hockey league, and then we have um, her other book, uh, more of a more of like a horror comic, um, but it also revolves like a, around a a couple that. Uh, the relationship isn't going so great, but it's called Devil Within. Um, yeah, so we'll be talking to her at the middle of the show. Yeah, Mike and her nerd out about horror stuff. Yeah, you know, whenever we get like a horror writer on the show, Chris kind of is like, oh, this stuff spooks me out. I can't. I just take a nap, you know. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, what's uh, what's going on in your life, Chris? What's happening in your neck of the woods? Uh, not a whole lot. Um, work. This. Yep. Watched Flash this week. That was pretty nice. exciting. Nice. Um, and oh, the biggest news of them all, the masterpiece known as King of the Hill is now on Hulu. Oh wow. So that's gonna be taken over my life. That's actually so. that's actually a pretty big deal. Yeah. Um I might actually get I might actually get Hulu so I can watch all the I never actually watched them all in in order. They at one point were on Netflix, and I have watched it all completely through in order. And mm-hmm. goddamn, that show is great. I'm waiting for someone. To, there's no outlet that has all of uh, Seinfeld, and I'm like, I really want to watch Seinfeld. Hulu. It's on Hulu. It's on Hulu. Oh my god! All right, got buying it tonight. There we go. <laughs> you know, when you add up all these streaming services, I, I should probably just buy cable think about it but i won't because spectrum they're a bunch of evil overlords anyways let's get to the news yeah <laughs> tv news um falcon and winter soldier are getting their own series on disney streaming damn yes. so disney's like okay you want to pay for another streaming service well, we're coming out guns blazing they're like you want to see what happens to winter soldier he's getting his own show yeah, this is the second like limited series they've announced. So they've got Scarlet Witch and Loki, and now this. Um, I think it's a cool idea, and it sounds like it's going to be like a one and done thing, like you know, mm-hmm. however many episodes and one season, and that's it. Um, I hope it's like called Marvel Presents or something, and like the yeah, first season awesome. is uh, Scarlet Witch and Loki, and the second is Falcon and you know so on and so forth. So, but yeah, this is awesome, especially since it's going to be tied into their cinematic universe. It's it's genius. This is how you do it. Like, please take notes, DC. Please. Um, It's funny because, like, I'm just got to the episode in Titans um, where they start showing, like, Bruce Wayne, like, oh, you see the back of his head. Oh, you see the silhouette of Bruce Wayne. And his posture is almost like, I mean, like, I think they wanted you to think it was Ben Affleck, Bruce Wayne. Like, I think Titans is supposed to be part of the, like, cinematic universe overall. Um, but we all know how that ends. So, um, <laughs> anyways, uh, we got a first look at the monitor for Elseworlds. Dude, 
<laughs> I did not know this was coming. Like this was like, oh yeah, by the way, Monitor is going to be in Elseworlds. If anybody knows Monitor, he uh, he's a little fella that travels through the the time stream and kind of like lives in between the multiverse almost. Um, yeah, stuff's so, happening. <laughs> this goes back to my theory. I think this might be pre Fortress Comic News theory. Yeah. Um, I thought that Flash was going to end in Crisis on Infinite Earths. Right. And if we have a monitor, that means we can have an anti-monitor, right? Yeah, I mean, you can't get an a- you can't get a monitor without having an anti-monitor. There's, you know, there's creation and destruction. There always that was the thing about the DC universe. There has to be a balance. Yeah, and with how Flash, uh, whatever season we're on, has been going, they're really pushing that crisis vibe even further. So I think mm-hmm. this is all going to end in a crisis time for theirs, which would be amazing. You think all the shows are going to be over after the season? I, no, not after the season. I oh. think like they're going to get to that point. Oh, I don't know yeah. if it's going to end the same way that crisis did, mm-hmm. but I think that's the storyline they're pushing towards. And that might for be sure. the end of flash or that might be a, I don't know, but I think that's definitely where they're, pushing towards yeah um it's man and now they're talking about um they added bob fraser as psycho pirate so i don't know what's going on like they're 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 not i mean they're not holding back for this dude they're bringing psycho pirates i mean we're going to talk about uh um, heroes in crisis but uh psycho pirate definitely has i mean he's been pretty prominent in the comic books lately too so wow stuff's happening Things are happening. We got a yeah. Batwoman. They're, I, I think they're just like, I don't know if someone over at DC was finally like, just let CW do whatever the hell they want. Like, they got a fan base. They they got costumes. Give them the money. Let them do it big. Give them Batwoman. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> it, if only they had a central head that didn't divide every like. So Marvel back in the early 2000s really divided all their properties because they had to. Mm-hmm. And that kind of really screwed things for a little bit, even though that the Marvel Cinematic Universe still thrived in spite of it. It really did kind of like, oh, this is great, but we don't have Spider-Man and we know how that worked out. Right. It feels like DC is doing that to themselves. <laughs> like Instead yeah. of just keeping everything together, they're like... Well, this universe can have Batman, this and and Cyborg, and but then this universe you can't have Bat. Well, you can have Batwoman, and you can have. It's just like why are wh- why are you doing this? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's awesome that CW's thriving through all this, but fuck, man, if they had all the tools, how great would it be? I know. If they just make if they just make Graham Morris and the Mastermind behind it all, it all fit together. We'll just at the end of the the end of like the DC cinematic universe and the shows combining would just be we were all created by aliens or something i, I don't think the general public can handle the fifth dimension i just don't yeah, think they can i don't know especially um, not graham morrison's fifth dimension yeah there's some stuff by graham morrison that just i'm like he must have a higher level of thinking than i do because my brain hurts just even reading the sentence <laughs> anyways uh yeah so there's some crazy stuff going on this elseworlds crossover um I I was trying to catch up on Supergirl. I really only have time for Flash and Titans for for like as far as like like superhero punchy punchy stuff goes. Yeah, you know I I'm gonna try to catch up on Supergirl when it all goes to Netflix again. Um, 
we got a first look as of Geralt, played by Henry Cavill. That, that was pretty quick. I think we got the announcement, well, like a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, so he shared on his Instagram, okay, he definitely has the long gray hair, but he doesn't have a beard. <laughs> um, and I, that's immediately what I, the, my first thought was, there's no beard. So then I start scrolling through the Instagram comments. Every comment is like, he doesn't have a beard. Why doesn't he have facial hair? He doesn't have, <laughs> it's like, that's all, I mean, that's all people are going to notice. Like, just give him a beard, right? Like. I feel like this was a screen test. Yeah, it definitely was. Uh, but it really, it, it reeks of, remember, what was it? Not four or five months ago when we first saw the new Flash costume? Yes. And how bad it looked? Yes. This it reminds me of that situation. So we all agree that this doesn't look great. Right. Um, he's got the hair. He, he kind of looks like it, but all you see really is Henry Cavill, and yes, he's missing the facial hair. But I, this this not the the final what we're gonna see on screen. Um, at least Can't I don't be. think so. So yeah. I think this was a screen test. I'm kind of putting everything together. I would be shocked if when they start filming. Uh, he doesn't have some sort of scruff or beard or whatever. Yeah. And I will guarantee you that at some point in the season, he will get the scar as well. Oh, yeah. He's getting slashed in the face. <laughs> um, yeah, so you're caught up on Flash. I'm caught up on Flash. Correct. How do you feel about it? Are you getting like season one vibes like I am? Y- yeah, it's... So uh, I kind of binged them all in a few days, and... They, yeah, it's like, so we get Flash, we find out his daughter is uh, this other speedster, and they, you know, we have the family dynamic, and then uh, the dude from American Pie shows up and starts stabbing people, and he's like, this is supposed to be the big villain, he's a serial killer that goes for metahumans and has this dagger that looks like a lightning bolt. Yeah. I don't really know what his deal is, but... Just mad. The most interesting part of the whole season for me right now is the back and forth between Elongated Man and uh, Sherlock. Sherlock. Yeah, Sherlock. I don't even. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Their back and forth is really cool, especially in the most recent episode where they're kind of trying to outdo each other as detectives. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I'm getting a lot of that. It's a lot of like the family. uh, Flash and Iris, and then the daughter, and then a lot of like how depressed is Cisco because he got dumped. Yeah, uh, it's been fairly weak as far as Flash goes, in my opinion, so mm-hmm. far. But it it's one of those shows, just like Walking Dead. It's gained my trust. I know at some point it's going to pick up, and I'm willing to sit through it. But I do wish they would. I do wish kind of that these seasons weren't like what 24 episodes or whatever because yeah, there's a lot they did of like fluff we thir- can get rid of 13 episodes like daredevil is like the perfect amount i think yeah and i think you could do like 13 to 15 and then you know call like 12 to whatever of them main episodes and the rest could be a part of this like giant crossover yeah because usually the most interesting part of the season is the crossover and they yeah. don't really jump too much into it. It's like, you know, four episodes and we're done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I've been liking it a lot. Uh, I 
I'm starting to think that like maybe um, XS isn't like have we thought about like if she's not Flash's daughter. There's something up with her because yeah. uh, there's a moment between her and Sherlock. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. Uh, hints towards that she's either not her, not their daughter or just not what we think she is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm interested to see what that comes of that because there's definitely something there. But that's something that what we'll find out in the last two episodes or so <laughs> yeah yeah it'll be revealed yeah last two episodes um so. yeah awesome and i've uh i'm uh there's a new titans episode on friday i didn't watch it but i, I watched uh episode up to episode three um episode three was really good uh we finally get all the characters meeting up um oh episode two is awesome hawk and dove are completely like copy pasted from the comic books um their costumes are amazing and like the the opening scene where you find Hawk like being tortured by uh he's like chained up and being tortured in like this warehouse. It's almost like Watchmen style, like uh Watchmen tone is what I got from when you, we first meet Hawk and Dove, and it's awesome. Like uh the fight scene's really cool. That's it's way more serious. I, and it's Hawk and Dove are just people that are dressing up like fighting people. I mean, they don't have like any special abilities. Um <laughs> But like Grayson, uh, Robin, and them have a past. Uh, the third episode dives into more of like how how Raven and Dick Grayson are kind of the same because they were both like abandoned at a young age. Blah blah blah. Um, we find out that uh, they keep referencing Raven's dad. It's focusing on that's what the season's about. Is like there's people coming after her, and basically they they're like these crazy people that worship her father. Who I mean, it's like you know, demonic or satanic or whatever, um, whatever iteration they're doing here. But uh, it's really cool. Like they have this, this creepy family, like chasing after them. They're like a, like a assassin family. And they're all sitting there, like, you know, having their cereal in the morning and the dad's reading the paper. And uh, they like, they get a phone call, like you guys have been activated and they like all inject themselves. And they're like this weird, like, you know, blue collar family that just turns into like psycho killers. It's really like creepy. <laughs> um, and there's some like really good parts too. I, I, I've been enjoying it a lot. And I think uh, the episode Friday was the doom patrol shows up. So yeah. Yeah. I need to sign up and figure out how I'm going to watch this. Uh, yeah. It, it's, uh, I, it's I gotta great. say the DC universe, like come up with, can you give us an app on like something? <laughs> nobody yeah. owns an apple tv a lot yeah. of people own a roku so i get it um but it like i can't even get it on my smart tv i can't get it on my xbox my place nothing like yeah. nothing in this house works and i have so many different devices oh man it's rough He's, yeah it's it's tough when people just watch it on their computer um yeah so how's walking dead been so the last episode was uh was okay it was a lot of so basically everybody disagrees with Rick. Uh, uh-huh. Everybody wants Negan dead. And, and Rick is really pushing this idea that we need to, you know, rebuild civilization. Um, the big problem here is, is that as we're learning, a lot of the characters have forgotten what it's like to be quote unquote civilized. And mm-hmm. we talked last week about um, two of the characters, Maggie and uh, Daryl, who are having a tough time with it. Um, and this week it's Michonne. Uh, we find out that Michonne's not really sleeping at night. 
and she's going out and just hunting zombies. Uh, she just needs that rush in her life. Uh, there's a couple of great moments in the show or the episode this week. Uh, Michonne actually goes down to talk with Negan and the whole talk with, between those two was interesting. Um, and then we get kind of the, the saviors coming to fight back against the rest of the group uh, because they feel like they're not being treated properly. And it causes kind of a brawl. Rick comes and saves the day. Uh, and Rick ends up finding out that at the end of all this, that Maggie's going to kill Negan. She's on her way. So we get a few things that happen. Uh, him and Daryl start to go at it. They fall in the pit. And that's like the big moment. Him and Daryl in the pit and trying to figure out what's going on. And even after this whole fight, they kind of go into this whole thing where everybody's still family. Like, Daryl and Rick are brothers. And you know that because even after they're done fighting and arguing, as soon as danger comes and they have to help people, they come together to help them. Uh, but the big moment is there's some sort of, uh, what do you call it, horde coming towards everybody. So they have to work together to get rid of it. Um, and this ends in Rick telling everybody to leave, that he's going to move the horde away, and he'll come back and find them. Well, in this happening, he runs into a second horde. Hmm. And we end the episode in kind of the weakest way it possibly could have, which is Rick falling off his horse into a rebar. Uh, so now we find Rick with a giant chunk of rebar sticking through his you know, lower area, stomach, hip area. Um, all in all... Not the best episode. It was okay. I get what they were going for. So wait, what happened? So how did he get the rebar stuck in him? I, I think I missed that part. How was he dead? So he's he's not dead yet. Oh, but oh. Uh, so as he's going, as he's trying to move this horde through Ooh. and get it away from the crowd, he runs into a second one and it spooks yeah. his horse. Oh, uh, and the horse kicks back and he falls off and yeah, the whole thing. And the the episode ends with like both the hordes coming towards him as he's like. He flails for a second trying to get himself off and he passes out from the pain. I really oh. hope this isn't the way that Rick dies. <laughs> yeah, that's because uh, <laughs> it's it's super lame and yeah. it's just too convenient. Yeah. Uh, but I have a feeling that's not the way he's going to die. Uh, we don't really know what episode he's going to die in. Um, at least I don't think we do. Uh, but all in all, this was one of the weaker of the four episodes. Uh, but once again, it's, it's all in all, we've had two good ones, two eh ones, and uh, still really enjoying the season though altogether. Nice. Um, yeah. So, as far as movie news goes this week, um, <laughs> as I'm laughing because the the notes say McGregory, uh, Ewan McGregor uh, is cast as Black Black Mask in Birds of Prey movie. Now, I, you know, we talked about Birds of Prey. We're both kind of meh. But now that they got Ewan McGregor to play Black Mask, I'm actually really excited for this. I love Ewan McGregor. You know, Obi-Wan fans out there. Um, he was amazing in Fargo last season. He played two separate characters that were twin, twin brothers. Um, huge fan of this dude. So I, it's got my money opening night because of this. Easily. Yeah, my only worry here is... Uh... I hope he's not wasted on just the birds of prey and he's in something else as well. Cause 
I would like to see Black Mask versus Batman or mm-hmm. just see him pop up somewhere else because it would be a waste of a great actor in a pretty awesome role that's underrated. Yeah, to have like a one-off for one movie. Um, yeah. I'm sure if, you know, Disney ever picks him up for Star Wars, you know, you only have every fan screaming at you. Um, anyways, but... Let's uh let's hop over to this awesome interview and uh we'll see you all on the other side. Hey guys, Chris here interrupting the show real quick. Remember, if you want to show your support for Force Comic News, head on down to patreon.com slash force comic news, where just a dollar a month gets you uh access to our Slack channel where we can talk comics all day and all night, and uh exclusive Patreon podcast that we are uh, uploading very soon. A uh, series of games that we play with all the great guests we have here on Force Comic News. You're going to get one of those every month. And just a just dollar a month gets it for you. So remember, that's the best way to show your support there and to help a growing community and to be a part of it with us. So everybody, thanks for your support. And Welcome back, everybody. Today we have a special guest with us, uh, writer for The Devil Within and Kicky Nice, Stephanie Phillips. Welcome to the show. Hey, welcome. Hey, thank you guys so much for having me. Stephanie Phillips, um, awesome. I, you know, I, I actually just read the uh, Devil Within um, this morning, and I really liked it. That first issue hooked me. Um, <laughs> but before we get to talk about that, and I'm really excited to talk about it because I love horror. So, um, what got you into comics? Why did you want to start writing comics? Have you always liked comics? I have always liked comics. I was definitely drawn to anything that looked like Batman or sounded like Batman or anything like that. So, I mean, Green Arrow, which is like green Batman, I guess. with yeah. a bunch of <laughs> Exactly. Regular Batman, Batman Beyond, like anything like that. I just, I loved Batgirl, Batwoman. Uh, I, I really loved that growing up. And I didn't really consider writing comics until I was... I was in graduate school and um, being an academic and doing academic publishing sometimes just weighs on you. And I wanted a creative outlet. And for me, comics have always been like, you know, you're in grad school, you have to read, let's say like, you know, four something novels a week. And it became like, I don't want reading to seem boring or not fun, but I can mm-hmm. issue in, you know, however long it takes to read one issue of a comic and you kind of feel fulfilled and like a little bit creative and excited about something and then I can go back to work. So um, it was kind of a perfect outlet for me. Awesome. So, and then you you started writing and like, when did it become something like bigger for you? Like you, okay, I'm going to get something published. Right. Um, I mean, the goal was always to push towards that. Uh, I took time away from graduate school to kind of um, spend networking, traveling, and just trying to, to make that work. And I mean, I think towards the end of this year is when I think it just really started to click. I've signed three contracts for 2019 and, um, and they're, they're, really big, well-established company. So to kind of know what my 2019 looks like for anything, because I'm going to keep working and, and pushing to, to get more work out there. But it's definitely uh, a really good feeling knowing like, okay, somebody wants me to just keep putting words on a page and I can do that. So, so cool. Congrats, awesome. by the way. That is that is so awesome. All right. So uh, let's talk about um, Devil Within. Uh, there's only one issue out right now, correct? Or Okay. Um, yeah. So you want to just give us a quick uh, plot synopsis of what what it's about? 
Yeah, so it's actually based on a true story of possession that happened to a friend of mine who's from the Philippines. Um, so we're kind of watching this possession unfold through the eyes of a very skeptical main character um, mm-hmm. while uh, the possession is happening to her fiancé. So um, it's it's definitely about a relationship at the heart of it, but there's some haunted house elements, ghosts, possessions, like a lot of typical horror tropes, but I really wanted those horror tropes to be surrounding um, a dysfunctional relationship so let's make mm-hmm. that, like, let's make this relationship as bad as possible complicated as possible yeah awesome i think it's like every every horror movie or uh book out there it's always like the couple is always perfect and then something goes wrong right <laughs> uh, uh so this that's cool that you played on that and it was a great first issue to really kind of uh um to pull you in there so who who does the art for that book that's Manhouse. He's a friend of mine from Europe. He's done some stuff through Witchblade. So through some of okay. uh, the work that I've done with Top Cow, we kind of got connected. And um, his style is so perfect for horror. And I was like, hey, yeah. what's this idea? See what you think. And he was already, I think within like a day, he was already sending me some like ideas back. And he was like, what do you think of this style? And I was like, perfect. So. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, when, I, when I was reading, I noticed like the backgrounds, um, even though like, you know, it's focusing on people. Some of the backgrounds are really chaotic. And that that's, can be kind of unnerving when you're reading through it. <laughs> uh, it's kind of like, okay, so what, what are things that have kept me up all night before? Oh, easy. Got a list. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think I'm, I'm weird in that regard. I think most horror writers are like have this list of like their first time seeing The Exorcist and things like that. And I mean, I've probably missed most of those movies because my eyes were closed. So <laughs> um, something I'm interested in, uh, but I'm kind of also interested in the art of horror. And I think as I've, I've gotten older, what I like is a horror movie that is just artistically done i like a good slasher don't get me wrong but mm-hmm. um horror films can also just be really artful um del toro's work and things like that you look oh, at yes. it's also something that's just it creeps you out but you can't look away and i love that yeah yeah pan's labyrinth one of my favorites yeah. um yeah chris uh chris doesn't um watch too too many horror movies <laughs> i think he feels <laughs> the same way about being scared about stuff um it's monster too spooky movie. for me yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when you're writing that, is it is it different than like, I don't know, like just an everyday story because you you almost have to write a scene and be like, oh, will this will this come off as like cheesy or like will it come off as like spooky to someone? Is that tough to do? I mean, I think I actually think a little less about the audience when I'm writing it and I okay. write uh and, and I'm, I guess I'm a little weird too. I stay away from reviews. I stay away from like, I, you know, I'm always happy. I've got people sending me pictures and I'm reading it and that's really great. And I appreciate everybody who reads it and supports whether they're reviewing or anything. It's just, um, I am easily influenced and swayed. So yeah, yeah. I try to just, especially when writing it, like when I'm done, uh, you know, I'll, I can step away and then maybe look through some stuff, but in the mid stick to you know this is my plan for the story this is kind of what i thought and hope it works <laughs> yeah <laughs> awesome okay let's uh let's move over to kicking ice what's kicking ice about yeah kicking ice is like the complete reverse so it's uh an all-ages graphic novel about girls playing ice hockey inspired by the national women's hockey league so it's kind of my love letter to the sport that i grew up playing um and 
even when I was on rollerblades, because I'm from Tampa, and there's not a lot of ice there. So yeah, it's definitely my love letter to the sport, to anybody that plays it. Uh, it's a very male-dominated sport, so it's a you know girl power, um, mm-hmm. kind of watching the next generation of girls that get to play hockey, knowing that there's a professional arena for it, which didn't exist when I was a kid. So I think that's pretty cool. That's so cool. Um, it's got to be awesome to write something that's uh, going to be inspiring to others as well, too, eventually. Yeah, I, I hope so. I mean, I did get a, it was really awesome. I got a picture dad sent me of his little girl. Um, she's in her crib wearing a hockey helmet, reading, kicking ice. And he's <laughs> like this for hours. It's like, oh, wow. wow. That is so cool. That's amazing. That really made my day. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> Very cool. Um, so yeah, kicking ice was a graphic novel that you did, but, uh, is, are you, how many issues do you have planned for double within? Is that, uh, like a mini series or issues, yeah. okay. That, cool. The next one comes out in a couple weeks, um, along with the second printing of it with the two little variant cover. Those will be out. I think November 22nd, I'm 21st. Sorry. Oh, awesome. All right, cool. Do you have anything, um, coming up in the future you want to talk about any other future projects? Um, I definitely have future projects. I'm just yeah. at liberty to talk about them right now. Um, we hear that a lot. <laughs> don't worry about uh, it. <laughs> it's the part, and I'm I'm so bad at secrets. Like I am right. the worst. I I <laughs> like leave hints about your birthday gift. Like well, really bad. So this is the worst part about the job, especially since I know I get to work with such cool people and I just want to like talk about it. Um, Definitely more in the horror kind of creepy vein. Um, I really like, um, I I like the horror genre, but I'm also trying to bring in a little bit of history into the mix in the next couple. So um, yeah, that's exciting for me. Um, I was a history major, so I get to kind of play with something that always (laughs) kept with. So that's a lot of fun for me. Now your, your worlds are yeah. starting to merge together. Yes. And I love that. I love when that happens. Yeah. Got my attention at history. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of history stuff do you read, Chris? Uh, a lot of uh, American history, um, mostly uh, early 20th century stuff. But I like anything within the American history realm. I like the whole concept of the building of the nation and where we went in those first uh, 150 years. Plus, 50 like- plus I've lived through part of, and I don't really need to replay that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was, uh, in, I did a lot of early American history. So one of the books is definitely heavily influenced by some of my graduate work in that area. Um, getting to play with um, some kind of early literary tropes from kind of the nation building era, which is um, always been something interesting to me. There's a lot of weird horror that came out of that time period influenced by things like plague or being scared. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a rebellion gone wrong or something. So, um, yes, I definitely pulled in some of that and, uh, it's been a lot of fun for me to work very nerdy for me to work. on. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome though. Yeah. And you're right about the, the past, uh, having lots of weird, um, horror stories coming out of it. I think there was that, there was that podcast that is a show on Amazon now, but, uh, each episode is like, um, geared towards a, like how lobotomies got started and just weird, weird stories like that. And yeah. like the, the whole art and it was like you know people back in the day were cutting hearts out of like their loved ones after they were dead and burning them because they thought their family was cursed and all this like weird stuff was happening (laughs) um yeah it's definitely an interesting era for sure yeah awesome so um if anybody wants to find you or your projects where can they go um so i have a website stephaniecomics.com or twitter which is steph underscore smash 
and I update those pretty regularly. I could do better, but I'll work on it. <laughs> it sounds like you're going to be a little busy in the next year or so. So, yes. and, and that's good. That's definitely good. Awesome. Well, Stephanie, Great. when all that stuff is announced and we can actually talk about it, I'll have to have you back on. I'd love to. That would be great. Yeah, there, there will definitely be some stuff uh, before spring announced and then spring releases. So I'm um, really excited for that. Awesome. Great. Well, thanks for being on the show, Stephanie. Thank you guys so much for having me. Everybody yeah. go out and check her out. Support New York Comics. Because New York, we're <laughs> a state. <laughs> a cold state <laughs> it's not just the city too there's <laughs> there's the rest of the state too there's, yeah there's a city and there's like a whole state up here <laughs> yeah yeah and we're all freezing cold so please support yeah. us <laughs> i'm from florida i can't handle this <laughs> awesome thanks for being on yeah, thanks again all right bye guys right, cool and we're back yeah awesome um, so please go check out all the awesome things that she's doing. And, uh, I think it's time for us to talk about comics. Yes. Oh. So, uh, reminder everybody that we're going to talk about heroes in crisis at the end of the episode. So we're going to go into huge spoilers on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we didn't forget it. Just, uh, stay past all the whatnot. If you want to listen to that. Anything. Spoilers this this week, anyways. Oh no, is that a spoiler? Did I just spoil it? Oh crap! <laughs> you spoiled it, saying there weren't any spoilers. It's like oh god. <laughs> anyways, uh, Drowned Earth. You want to talk about that? I know you love the Aquaman, but uh, what that was a pretty awesome issue, huh? I do enjoy the Aquaman. So yeah, Drowned Earth was a lot of. Exposition. It was. Yeah, <laughs> every page. Yeah, it was really so from the so and so. Then we are bad because this happened to us, and it's like wow. There's wow. There's like there's like eight of you guys. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of setting up where everybody is for the crossover. Um, yeah, I think the biggest thing that happened here is that we find out that the Legion of Doom has their part of it, uh, and Black Man especially is. Uh, part of it and that he takes uh aquaman's powers for himself yeah I think that's has there ever been an incident where uh where he does where he's had aquaman's powers uh not that i'm aware of but i am as much of an aquaman fan i am i will not call myself an aquaman historian <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so i thought it was i my favorite part of the issue though is seeing all the different like gods yeah i thought some of them are really like so yeah like the guy who's fighting superman that's like he's just like commanding the fleet or whatever. I think that dude is really cool. He reminds me of like what like one of the four horsemen or something. Yeah, it's really funny because I was uh, in a situation earlier this week where somebody was kind of making fun of Aquaman and talking about they should do Aquaman in space. <laughs> like, and I was just sitting there kind of like I didn't say a word because I don't like getting in those conversations sometimes, but yeah. in my head I'm just like you should read Drowned Earth because it's basically yeah. Aquaman's space. <laughs> yeah, because all these people come from they have these spaceships. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. I thought it was a cool episode, or cool episode, cool issue. Um, but the yeah, the art is really good. I like meeting all those new characters, and I think one of the biggest things is we see Ocean Master. Where the hell's that dude been? Um, He's been in the Mara single series. Uh, okay, that's. But anyways, they release him just for him to be turned into a, a fish person. 
Um, we see some abhorrent people turn into fish people, like Commissioner Gordon's a merman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which is like, I thought, you know, I, I thought like Commissioner Gordon was going to be safe from all this, but he like falls in the water and he's like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I think the funny part was the, the merman still has glasses on. <laughs> <laughs> Do you need glasses to see through the water too? Like, how, how does that work? Apparently. I guess fish wear glasses. <laughs> Uh, so for the drowned earth, what's happening is this like evil water is is rising, and if any human touches the water, you become a you become an evil fish person. <laughs> it's it's yeah. it, it sounds really cheesy, but it's cool. I I've liked it so far. I think it's, it's a it's a lot of fun, and I can tell that there's two big things happening here. So uh, soon after this event, uh, Kelly Sudakondik is taking over Aquaman, mm-hmm. and it's pretty obvious to me that this is a setup for her Aquaman. Um, and they really want to push Mara as the savior here. So I think Mara's going to have a big role in the future of DC somewhere because she seems to have just the right power for this kind of event. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Very convenient. Um, yeah, so did you read the, uh, the Witching Hour crossover uh, with Justice League Dark? Did not. Um, yeah, talk about exposition. It, it's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on. It's, there's so many issues of, out of DC right now that there's so much happening and it's like, it's all new stuff. That's like this whole thing going on between the ma- magical worlds and why Wonder Woman is like a God of all gods. And it's just a lot happening. <laughs> I was exhausted after reading it basically. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. James Tenney in the fourth is writing that. Yeah. So there's a key factor between both of these books, and that is that James Tenney in the fourth is the writer of both of them. Yeah. And I've always kind of not liked his work. Ever uh, since Batman Eternal. Yeah. He <laughs> he impressed me with what he's done in Just League so far, but when you get into these big and stretched out stories and Batman turn really was the start of it for I think both of us. Yeah. He does get into exposition mode and he just wants to try to get every sentence in. And it's one of my things with him. I, I wish that just Scott Snyder was doing justice league. And this was just Scott Snyder because the, the kind of the prequel issue of drowned earth was awesome. And then this one was good, but it didn't live up to what I was hoping going in. So yeah, yeah, it sounds to me like it's a James Tinian thing, and he's trying to do too much with these big events. Yeah, I just get I get lost. It's like, oh my god, I can't even remember what I read through this whole page. You know, um, sometimes I just need like Batman saying I'm Batman. Like that's all the dialogue. <laughs> well, he was the whole reason I didn't get into Justice League Dark. Like Justice League Dark was a book that yeah. looked like it was for me, and it just. I know. I, I couldn't do it. All I hate to say, I might have to. I might. I might be dropping it soon, just because. Like, you can't. I. I don't. I, I've never had a book that has Detective Chimp in it that I didn't have fun reading. <laughs> I never thought like you have Swamp Thing and Detective Chimp, like, and rather than have conversations between those two guys, you kind of just you created a new version of the Green, that's that's detached Swamp Thing from his version of the Green, and now this Green is all flowers. It's really confu- like he just it completely like changes Swamp Thing too, and I'm like, this is Swamp Thing was so simple, man. <laughs> and 
I feel like they really want Wonder Woman to have her own corner of the universe again. Yeah. Yeah. And and Matt and she, they want her to kind of like Hell Magic as her corner. And that seems to be what they're really doing with this Justice League Dark book. They're trying to they're, this is basically their over convoluted way of connecting like Greek mythology and saying that it's magic is all it is. Like if you read between the lines, they're just saying that like all the gods were created by magic and Wonder Woman. So that means Wonder Woman, like Queen of the Amazons, is Queen of Magic. I, whatever. Anyways, we're moving yeah. on. Um, we're gonna save. Uh, we're gonna save Heroes in Crisis for last, like you said. What about what about the the main book we all want to talk about from this week? Deathstroke and Yogi Bear. Yes. Yeah, like they look at look. Did you see Chris's face light up? Like he's been wanting to talk about this book for like five days. Um, so if anybody doesn't know, this week was this, uh, the re-return of the Hanna Barbera DC Comics crossover. And yes, more, more importantly, we got Deathstroke and Yogi Bear. So I'm gonna let you talk about this one. I just did a lot of talking. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, uh, Yogi Bear is out there stealing picnic baskets and <laughs> his little buddy boo-boo goes missing and who do you think he hires well of course he hires deathstroke why not you know uh and all of the woodland creatures are like turning kind of evil and chaotic and they don't know why and they end up finding out it's because of hive because why wouldn't it be because of hive why would not why would the the bee pun villain organization be uh, you know the the enemy of yogi bear makes sense yeah uh probably the most fantastic part of this book and i don't have in hand but was the deathstroke starts going through all the different uh people he's taken down Mm -hmm. and he compares a super villain to a hanna-barbera character so it's like king shark and uh jabberjaw Yeah. And and that goes on for like a page and a half. It's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, All in all, it was an awesome book. And I just, I had so much fun reading all of Yogi's parts in the voice of Yogi. I know. And then like the back and forth between him and uh, Deathstroke. But probably the most fantastic part is when Deathstroke finally gets the payment for his uh, work. It's a bunch of picnic baskets. It's a bunch of picnic baskets. And their liverwurst sandwiches, which is, you know, this whole issue, there's some other, there's some underlying hate for liverwurst. I will tell you, liverwurst is one of my favorite sandwiches, so I actually like liverwurst. It's because you're an animal. That's, that's mean. No, I actually like liverwurst too, so. See, all right, so we have two for liverwurst. Hey, if you want to drop us an email, tell us what you think about liverwurst. <laughs> at gmail.com. Did you read any of the other ones? That was the only one I read. Uh, I bought all of them, but the only other one I got to read was the Green Lantern and... Oh. Oh, Huckle- man. Huckleberry. Huckleberry Hound. Yeah. Huckleberry um, Hound and Green Lantern. I have that one, too. I just have to read it still. That's a, a Mark Russell book. Uh, I like Mark Russell's stuff. It's a very deep dive into... 60s and 70s um, uh, 
uh, black rights culture and black rights movement and how Vietnam is affected with it. And it, it's a really deep book. Um, yeah, it's not going to be as fun it, as Deathstroke and Yogi Bear. Yeah, it was, it was much deeper than I wanted when I was at the time. I actually got a few pages in, stopped, and then like came back a few days later because I was like, I just wanted like Green Lantern and the giant dog to. You're like, jokes, whoa, like, whoa, they took it. Oh, <laughs> it's one of those books. Uh, I got to set this one down for later. But going into it with that thought, it's a really good book. Um, there's a lot of, so um, Stuart is still new to being a Green Lantern. He like just got his ring. Um, yeah. He just lost his brother to the war. Uh, actually, not even to the war. His, his brother came back from the war and he was killed by cops in uh, Harlem. Oh, geez. And then he's sent to war, and then he gets the ring, and he's training, and he's sent back and told, now, go and live on Earth, but don't you can't use your ring. Like You need to learn that there's times that you don't need to use it, and he's got to look and watch all these riots and you know police brutality and all this stuff happening, and he has to kind of hold himself back from using his ring. And in the background, Huckleberry Hound is just kind of a comedian who's used to be a big star and isn't anymore and mm. he kind of questions him too like why do you just stand here and do nothing when you have the power to do everything mm -hmm. it, yeah it's a super deep book but i really loved <laughs> it it was it, much deeper than i had any right to be yeah uh, it, i'd actually compare it a lot to the batman elmer fudd crossover Oh yeah, that was you so just, serious. Yeah, yeah, you didn't expect that kind of deep or seriousness to it, and that's what this book is for these ones. Uh, mm -hmm. I haven't read the other two though. Um, awesome. Yeah, all I have to talk about now is uh, Heroes in Crisis. All right, so I'll do quick through mine. Uh, uh, Sonic Hedgehog number two. Uh, so basically, it's the fight between Sonic, Knuckles, Shadow, and Super Neo Sonic. And uh, at the end, we get kind of his Frieza moment where he finally gets his final form. Nice. And he's this giant, like, mecha robot thing. It's fantastic. Oh that is great. I, I love me some Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, Marvel 2-in-1, number 11. This is uh, the thing in Fantastic Four. So this is Thing taking... I'm sorry, Thing in Mr. Fantastic. This is Thing taking Mr. Fantastic back to the dimension where they were at the end of the last issue and grabbing the thinker and kind of showing him what him and Johnny went through and then vice versa reads kind of like, I know we made the wrong decision, but this is why. And he goes and shows Ben why. So it was kind of an issue of Ben was mad that Reed was gone and Reed was like, this is why we made this decision. And then kind of come to a mutual moment where they realized that there was no ill will. There was just, misinterpretations um it was a really good issue chip Zerisky is killing it on that book i'm sad to see it go um and then daredevil 610 this is the death of daredevil series so hmm. it's a lot of so we know that uh wilson fisk is the kingpin now and we find out that he's somehow rigged the election so this whole issue is them finding the proof that he rigged the election and there's a, a mystery assassin involved. And I really like the design of the assassin. It, they kind of design him like a traditional Catholic priest. And he's got a cross that all white with a red cross that goes through his face as his mask. 
but he uses swords that are made of bone. Nice. It's, it's very interesting, and a lot of this issue was them picking up Wilson's second, you know, right hand or whatever you want to call it, and thinking they're going to get him to talk, and then the assassin shows up and kind of ruins everything. Nice. Uh, Charles Souls coming in on that. And then the realm, number 10. Uh, I talk about the realm a lot, but it's just fantastic. This whole issue was... So the, the croup is in this dungeon trying to find their way out, and their leader has been taken. Uh, they, at one point, run into... If anyone's played D&D out there, which, Mike, I know you're one of them, mm-hmm. uh, they run into one of those gelatinous cubes. Oh, gross. Yeah. Uh, at one point, and they find, like, a skeleton kind of wiggling around in it and oh, all types man. of things. There's a lot of D&D tropes in this book, and I love it. And then there's this... There's some secret about the leader of the group. He has some sort of demonic presence in him they're trying to figure out. And this kind of spider hmm. demon guy is trying to get it out of him. Um, is unsuccessful, and the crew helps him. Uh, a lot of just fighting back and forth between this spider demon and his like minions mm-hmm. and uh, the group. And at the end, they find their way out with uh, some treasure and they're just like, yeah, let's get the hell out of here. Uh, yeah, miss cubes or bad, bad time. Yeah. Uh, the Realm is a fantastic book for anybody that likes D&D and The Walking Dead. It's kind of the great mashup of that. That's what I keep saying. Uh, I definitely recommend it. So, Mike, before we jump into Heroes in Crisis, where can all the people that aren't going to listen to our Heroes in Crisis talk find you on the internet? You can find me as a Fortress of Ricker. That's where you can find me. Where can they find you, Christopher? They can find me at Fortress Chris, or you can find the show at FCN underscore official. And uh, remember to give us thumbs up down below if you're watching this and comment down below. And if you are listening to this, to give us a five-star review. Uh, five star review helps us a lot, helps us get to more ears, and we're getting to more every day, so we really appreciate it. And to everybody that is not going to continue on with our Heroes in Crisis talk, we bid you adieu. Have a great week, and we'll see you all next time. Time to talk about Heroes in Crisis number let's, two. Let's do it. Go. Um, okay. So uh, we get Harley Quinn. She goes and seeks out the. Um, Kind of funny, she goes to Penguin. I was like, at first, I was like, why? Of all the Batman villains to go get help from, why Penguin, right? Um, yeah. But then we realized that, well, she went to get help from Penguin to get caught by Batman. Like, she was waiting for Batman. Um, I think the awesome part of that was we see her playing cards with a Penguin. Yeah. <laughs> that was really cool. Um, yeah, so she's kind of, like, hiding out, waiting for Batman to show up. Uh, and then... She believes that Booster still killed everybody, right? Um, but the like Booster doesn't remember anything. Uh, so who does he go seek out the help of? Well, this is after he's he's kind of laying there dying, and Skeets Skeets shows up and helps him out. Um, there's a nice like Deus Machina thing right there, right? <laughs> he's like, oh, he's dying. Oh, bring Skeets in. Okay, now he's alive. <laughs> Yeah, it's a great comic science moment because yeah, it's like it's just, Skeets goes, I healed you with ways that this century does not understand. No, yeah, let's move right. on with He's the story. Like, oh, <laughs> they don't show him doing anything. He's just like, I healed you. Okay, you're better. Um, yeah, and then so Booster Gold goes to Flash because he needs a detective and he's like, you need to go. He's like, 
So what what did you find out about the dead bodies? And Flash doesn't know what he's talking about. And then Flash hears what he's talking about um, and goes and investigates it in the matter of seconds and comes back and says, what did you do? So obviously Flash thinks he killed everybody as well. Um, I don't think Booster Gold would kill everyone. I don't think that's... I don't think that's in Booster Gold's character. Uh, but we get something interesting happening in, in, in between the issue with the interviews, like the Office-style interviews, right? Um, where the heroes are sitting alone. And Superman, Superman seems to be the most interesting one, where he talks about, I have two sides to me. I have the great American hero. I have the uh, blue-collar blue collar reporter. Um, but he's like, what if that's not me? What if I'm supposed to be the opposite? And I think I'm getting at like, I think this is, they're trying to talk about like, what if I'm supposed to be the villain, right? Which I think it's almost like, did he kill everyone? I think that with Superman, they're really going for that uh, uh, idea of split personalities. Like he doesn't know who he is. Mm -hmm. Is he Superman or is he Clark Kent? That's what I got out of it at least. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then he talks about like if uh, he talks about being someone different, completely different than what he is now. So maybe there's a third personality. I don't know. Maybe. Um, maybe we know it involves Psycho Pirate, right? We've seen Psycho Pirate's mask on the cover, so um, something something weird's happening here. Yeah. So Batman's was uh, fairly interesting to me because it's it revolves around the Robins and yeah, and kind true. of showing his regret for what he's done with them and how so many of them have passed away. Um, and I don't remember Wonder Woman's at all. Was she even in here? Um, yes, she, she talks about, doesn't she talk about how, like she had a, she had oh, a nightmare yeah. and she was crying and she went to go run to her mother's room and her mother was like actually dealing with being like shot with an arrow. So she figured like that was the time she determined like, you know, having remorse or sadness or being scared of anything is a waste of time. This kind of, she was basically the strongest of the three, which was awesome. That's right? yeah, that's correct. That was kind of the, it's, I, I don't know if ironic's the right word, but it's where I'm going go with. Uh, it, ironic that it was kind of the more masculine trait, mm -hmm. because that seems to be something that's placed more on men, where you can't yeah. show your emotions. You have to put it, you know, push it deep down. Right. Um, so yeah, yeah, I do remember that now. So um, that was interesting too. I think the, the biggest reveal here of the whole issue is that Poison Ivy is dead. Yeah. Um, I. It. I never would have seen that coming, but it makes sense now as to why DC wanted to kind of rush Harley and Poison Ivy into a relationship, mm -hmm. which I thought was weird when it came out. Um, but it's there's too many. I, I can't put my finger on it because that could have easily. That's kind of the they want you really to think that Booster Gold did it. Yeah, I really feel like that's what they're pushing towards, because why would Harley kill Ivy? And everybody else seems to think he did it. So she wasn't Harley wasn't supposed to be there, according to like the story. She just happens to find out where the house is and everything. Yeah, like Harley just kind of shows up. So I, I'm really in intrigued by this. I have no clue who's done it so far. All I know is that the book wants you to think that it's Booster Gold, yeah. which makes me think it's not Booster Gold. 
yeah, someone's controlling them or something, something weird is happening in the timeline right now. Yeah. And I, and we still haven't seen psycho pirates mask. We yeah. know it's involved somehow. Um, I'll be interested to see more, but I really, I think the, the strong point of this issue was getting the Trinity and getting kind of their, their darkest fear or regret mm -hmm. out of them, uh, kind of humanizing them a little bit more. Uh, yeah, it, for sure. This crossover two issues in, and it's been amazing. Yeah, it's been really good. I can't wait to, for the, the rest of the issues. Awesome. Personally, yeah. I, I think it's been way better than Doomsday Clock. <laughs> yeah, Doomsday Clock were eight <laughs> issues in, and I, I, I couldn't even tell you the turning point of the book. I couldn't. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, but I think that's what we have for the week. So uh, everyone enjoy your week. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. And uh, we'll, to all you who stuck around, we'll see you all next week. See ya.